chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It says, in the, ninth, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of Eturia, and uh, Trachonidas and Licinius, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the desert. He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as is written in the book of uh, the words of Isaiah the prophet. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, and every mountain and hill made low. The crooked road shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all mankind will see God's salvation. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warns you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father, for I tell you that out of these stones God can raise up children of Abram. The axe is already at the root of the tree, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Well, what should we do then, the crowd asked. And John answered, the man with two tunics should share with him uh, who has none. And the one who has food should do the same. Tax collectors also came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Well, don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, then, then uh, what should we do? And he replied, well, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Christ. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but the one more powerful than I will come, the throngs of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire, his winnowing fork in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and he preached the good news to them. But when John rebuked Herod the Tetrarch because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the other evil things he had done, Herod added to uh, them all and he locked John up in prison. So John is on the scene now. And in the Gospel of Luke, this is his entire message and ministry right here. These 20 verses. This is everything that Luke has to say about John's message, about what he preached, uh, and, and, and about what he did in his ministry. And some interesting things. He's preaching the good news, it says, yet he's speaking about coming judgment. Uh, and, and, and so it, it's, it's important that we understand judgment and the fact that, that Jesus is coming back to judge uh, the, the world. Um, the judgment is, is a part of this. He's talking about a winnowing fork and, and fire and wheat and chaff. And so this is important to us. Uh, it's also kind of important if you know the story of John, what was going on with Herodias. Herodias was, was his, his brother's wife and he had an illicit affair with her. And then he took her to be his own wife. And so John the prophet spoke out about that. Herod didn't like it, threw him in jail. And, and eventually we find out in other gospels that he is beheaded as a party trick. Okay, so this is the life and the ministry of John. Now, what do we learn for, from it? What do we take away from it? So this morning, I've got four things that I want to share with you 
um, from the word uh, of the Lord, um, specifically as, as we have focused our hearts upon the subject of repentance, I, I want you to understand, and these things may be a little surprising to you. I know some of you think, but well, I've been in church my whole life. You're not going to surprise me with anything about repentance, Pastor. Well, you might be surprised. Here we go. Okay, number one, once you see this morning that repentance is about returning to God with all that we have. Repentance is about turning to God, uh, returning to God with all that we, we have. Remember, this is a story about rescue and redemption, and it's not a new tale, right? This isn't like a story that just began, but this is rather a story that has been told for thousands of years, and it's, it's just now coming into fruition and into flesh. And that's what's going on here, and so, so, so the story, of course, is that God made everything for his glory. He made man in his own image, and he made man to be with him. But man rebelled against God. He rebelled against his love, right? And, and, and he chose himself instead of God. And, and because God made everything, and because God made man, man is accountable to God. And so the story of the Bible is all about a God that is so loving that he is seeking out mankind who has rebelled against him. And he's seeking them out in order to settle their accounts with him by paying their debt. That's the story of rescue. That's the story of redemption that, that's going on. And, 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 and all of the Bible uh, is, is true. Not just factual, but it's historical. Sometimes we forget that. We read stories in the Bible as if, well, that's just the Bible story that I learned. But, but it's actually historical. But the cool thing is that the historical facts of the Bible actually paint pictures. Like historical events are actually pictures of the bigger story of God. And so you think about the Exodus for a second. Yes, uh, the, the Israelites really were enslaved in Egypt. And yes, they did cry out to God for a savior and a deliverer. And yes, God really did send a savior, Moses. And yes, Moses did go to Pharaoh. And yes, Pharaoh did let the Israelites go, although he pursued them. And yes, Moses did come to the Red Sea. And yes, the seas did part. And yes, they did cross over, right? And so we have these historical facts. But it, they all point to the bigger story of redemption and rescue. See, in our text today, the Israelites are enslaved again. Only this time, they're enslaved in their own land. They're enslaved now, now to Rome. They're, they're enslaved because of their sin. And, and it, here's the deal. Because it's part of this overarching story, the prophets of old talked about it. The prophets of old wrote about it. The prophets of old declared that this would happen. That they would receive their own land, and in their own land they would become slaves again. And they would become slaves, the prophets would say, because of their sin and so the rescue, the redemption, the story has to deal with their sin. And that's why Jesus comes, God becomes flesh in order to deal with our sin problem. But there is something that they have to do. You know, a lot of times we, 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 we think about, you know, we're saved by grace, right? That's what we're saved by. It's by grace that we're saved through faith. But faith is the vehicle by which we fall into the grace of God. So it's not our faith that saves us, it's the grace of God. But we, we still have to have faith. Well, here too, there is something that we have to do. There's something that the people, that God's chosen people have to do. They have to return to God in order to receive this Savior. And, and, and listen to what the prophet Malachi says. He says, I, 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 the Lord, do not change, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed ever since the time of your ancestors. By the way, that means, that first sentence means God's always been gracious. 
Thank God for the fact that he doesn't change in his grace and mercy. Amen? Amen. Woohoo! Thank you. 70 times 7, right? Thank you, thank you, thank you. I, the Lord, do not change, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees, and you have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. goes on, they say, how do we return to you? And, and Malachi then begins to talk about the tithe. Why? Why would you talk about the tithe there? Because God wants all of us. Not just a part of us. What's the last part of us we're usually willing to let go of? It's money because we think money is actually our king and our ruler. We think that we are the provider of all things. And God says, no, you come to me with all of your heart. And I'm going to return to you. Now listen, this isn't a sermon on tithing. That's for a different day. I just want you to know that repentance at its very core is about returning back to God and to his ways and to his will with everything that we have not just with part of who we are, okay? Number two, number two. This is important, I love this. Repentance doesn't have to mean resignation. Repentance doesn't have to mean resignation. Verse 12 through 14, it says, tax collectors also came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what what should we do? Well, don't collect any more than you're required to, he tells them. Then some soldiers asked him, and and what should we do? And he replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be be content with your pay. I I love this. I meet so many Christians that that, that are like, well, what do I do now? Or or, or so many people that want to maybe follow Christ, but they're afraid. Like, like, what do I do if I give my life to Christ? What's going to happen? Now that I'm a Christian, what, do I have to go to Africa now? Is that the deal? Am am, am I going to have to go to Bible school? Am I going to have to become a a teacher of the word? Is that that now what I have to do? Is that God's will for my life? Do I have to look like that guy on TV or his wife with all the makeup? Like, is that now who I have to become? We have these very, and and these are honest questions, right? But what does the word of God say, right? Listen, listen to what the word of God, God may call you to some of that stuff. He may. Like, like God has special offices for certain people, and, and we don't understand that, but we know it to be true. He calls some to be pastors and prophets and evangelists and administrators and teachers, right? So, like, it could happen to you, but do you know what most people who accept Christ are called to do? This is like, this is crazy. This is world-changing, freeing of, of, of guilt in your past and, and your feeling of insignificance, ready? Do you know what most people who accept Christ are called to do with their lives, ready? Most are called to do their jobs better. Most are just called to do what they're doing and to do it better. To, to do it better. Justly, like verse 12, the tax collector, well, what do we do? Well, be just, he says. Like, like don't extort people for money. Don't charge more than, than you need to. Like, just, just be a different person. Stop taking advantage of people. Why? Because it's about love, right? And, and, and the soldiers, these are Jewish soldiers, by the way. These aren't Roman soldiers, like, coming. These are probably Jewish soldiers. But, but again, what were the Jewish soldiers? They, they felt like they were underpaid. So they would extort people for money. They would use their force. They would use their office to get more money out of people. Okay. I'm not going to protect you. It's like the early mafia, right? Unless you pay me. 
So what, what, do, what do we do? Well, you, you, just, you just be just. Don't extort money. Don't use muscle or force to, to gain, right? It, it, it's, it's the difference between Matthew and Zacchaeus, really. Both are tax collectors. God calls one of them, Matthew, into the ministry, right? Matthew, you're going to come and follow me. I'm going to make you a disciple. You're going to become an apostle, right? I'm going to use you to write, uh, you know, awesome things. Like, Matthew, I, 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 I want to use you. So we've got Matthew, but then we have Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus also a tax collector. He also repents. He, he pays back more than he owes. True act of repentance, but you know, we never have a story of Zacchaeus changing his career. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting that repentance doesn't have to mean resignation necessarily? I heard it put this way uh, this week, ready? Every office, every station of life, every occupation has its own temptations. Everyone. What is your line of work? Are you a stay-at-home mom? Right? Are you, are you a housewife? Are you a handyman? Okay, you work in real estate. You work on roads. Every single line of work, every office has its own set of temptations. And true sign of repentance is to resist the temptations that arise with your office and standing in life. That's the true sign of repentance. To be just and to not take advantage of those, those moments that in your office you could take advantage of. It's a true sign of a repentant heart. John didn't call them to move to the desert and to join his diet. Come with me out to the desert. Let's eat some locust and honey. He doesn't say that's what repentance is about. He doesn't force them to change their career. Instead, he gives them a new calling. Now, go and be fair and just as a tax collector. Now, now go and be a soldier focused on protecting others, not looking out for self. Did you guys see it? Repentance doesn't have to mean resignation. Maybe for some of you here that this morning, that's going to finally bring some peace. Maybe you're one of those people that just for years and years you've been a Christian, and you felt guilty about the fact that you run a business. Or, or, or that you're an educator, or, or that you're an accountant. I, I meet some people, I just feel like I should be doing more with my life. Your life is a witness. God puts you where you are. Show people there's something different about you. God uses and loves all kinds of people that do all kinds of things for a living. Number three. Repentance and faith should lead to results and fruit. Repentance and faith should lead to results and and fruit. Verse 8 through 11, it says, Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, "We, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the tree. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire, what should we do then, the crowd asked. And John answered, the man with two tunics should share with him who has none. And the one who has food should do the same. Now hear me, this is very much about faith. Uh, this whole call for baptism is about faith. Uh, this, is, this meant something to the Jews. We kind of wonder, like, why? What's going on here? They're Jewish, right? So anybody that wanted to convert to Judaism had to be baptized, they had to be baptized. This was part of the rite of becoming a Jew. And, and they had to be baptized as a symbol that they, they had faith uh, in, in, in God. 
Okay, so this is very much a faith thing. So, so John's message, listen to what he's saying. Here's the depth of it. He's saying to Jews, guess what? Faith is not just for the Gentiles. Like, you too are going to have to step in to the waters of baptism. You too are going to have to have faith in God. You're going to have to believe in this coming rescue, in this coming redemption, this coming Messiah. He's saying, listen, the, the axe is already at the root of the tree. Judgment is coming. The kingdom is coming. The Messiah is coming. You need to get ready. You need to have faith that God's plan is being inaugurated right now. And that's what this baptism and this call for repentance is about. So it's about faith, but that faith produces very real results, it says. And what are those results? What, what does it look like to repent? What, what, what is a man or a woman who's truly repented of, of, of their sin? By the way, sin is all about selfishness, right? Isn't that the heart of sin? Anybody else have a different definition from their Bible? Right. The, the heart of sin is selfishness. I want to be God. I want to be in control of my life. I, I, I. That's why I is right in the middle of the S and the N. So here we go. So we talk about selfishness. So what's a true sign of repentance? Repentance is turning from your sin and turning to God. It's about turning to the opposite direction, actually moving. So, so, so John says there should be fruit. And what is the fruit? Do you notice it's crazy? What should we do? He says, if you have two coats, share with the person that has none. If you have food, you do the same. You share your table. You do your job justly. Saying you love people, that's the result. That's the result. That's the fruit of true repentance. Okay? Last thing. I'll just say this to you. Uh, Number four. People always ask me about baptism as a Baptist. So here we go. This is what it's about. Baptism shows you mean business. Baptism shows you mean business. Uh, Verse 5, it says, Every valley shall be filled in, and every mountain and hill made low. that's That's a reference there. That's an illustration of the humility required to repent of your sin. Right? This is one of those twofold passages. It's talking about, hey, this, we're preparing a way for a king. You would do all these things. What is one of the things it has to do? The mountains have to bow down. For the king to come, the mountains have to bow down. Friends, what's your mountain, right? Because repentance is about, about you taking that area that you think you're all that in a bag of chips and a jello pudding snack, right? Like, look at me, I'm all this. It's, it's about you taking those areas of your life and you bowing them down before the Lord because the king is coming. Okay, so it's, it's, about, it's very much about humility, but I want you to hear the message. Verse 8 says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, for I tell you that out of these stones God can raise up children of Abraham. What does that mean? It means that we all need this. Saying, all of us need this. The Jews need this and the Gentiles need this. And this, this repentance is for everybody. So, so this whole section of scripture, John's, John's whole uh, message and ministry is, is simple, clear commands to prove that people mean business. To prove that you mean business with God. You want to get right with the Lord? Ready? Here we go. Humble yourself. Confess your sin. Repent. That's different from confession. A whole bunch of Christians like to, end of the service, we'll play a Sappy song. Oh, I feel so bad about 
my sin. <laughs> Snot bubbles, I call them. I did youth ministry forever. Like youth are, you know what I'm saying? If you've ever been to youth camp, you bring tissues because there are like they have bubbles of snot coming out of their nose because they're weeping and crying, which is awesome and I love it. Love snot bubbles, but I I, I want to meet that child. I want to meet that adult. I want to meet that that snot bubbly person with a tissue, and I want to say, okay, now, what are you going to do because of it? Okay, because you've got to turn and actually walk in a different direction. So, so listen, you, you mean business. You're going to humble yourself. You're going to confess your sin. You're going to repent. And ready? Here's, here's that last part. You're going to publicly proclaim that you're changed. You've got to tell people about it. You've got to tell people about it. You'd you be baptized. You show that you mean business. So I'm going to give you some application, and we're going to close this morning. And uh, just, man, the Holy Spirit, as I was working on this message, just put some things in my heart that are unbaptist-like, so get ready, okay? So here we go, we're just, we're just going to do it, uh, because when the Holy Spirit speaks, we want to listen and uh, feel like they're from the Lord. And here's the first super practical, uh, first thing I, I believe the Lord is calling us to in this church is to share our coats, straight up. I think we're called to share our coats, and what, what is the true sign of repentance? I'm no longer selfish, right? Can I ask you, how many coats do you have in your closet right now? Because I'm pretty sure the answer is too many. So as I felt like the Holy Spirit was working on my heart this week, because I, I felt like we're supposed to do something with these coats, I drove over to Elgin Elementary, who we've adopted. Okay? And I, and I sat down with the principal, and I sat down with Kendra. I said, Kendra, I got, I, I, listen, I'm working through the text in Luke. I feel like God is putting something on my heart. And I just want to ask a question for confirmation. Do you have families, adults and students, that don't have coats when it gets cool outside? She says, yes, every year. Share your coats. Share your coats. Now, I, I, here's a word of caution because I want to speak some truth into your life. Christians don't give other people junk. Okay? This is not about cleaning out your closet and, and finding that coat from 25 years ago that nobody on earth will wear. Here's why we don't give people... Now, I, I, I've met some Christians and they, they say this. Well, listen, people that don't have anything, they should be willing to wear anything. You know what? I'm going to tell you right now, that's not love, that's judgment. That's judgment, that's what that is. That, literally, that, that's, that's pride, that is looking down on others, saying, well they, well, they should be grateful for what I give them. That, that's, that's pride, that's arrogance. I don't know about you, but I want to give somebody something that I enjoy. I want to give them something that they'll enjoy. And so, here's the deal. Next Sunday, we'll have places that you can bring coats, adults and children. Just one Sunday. This is not an all-month thing. This is just a one-Sunday thing. We're going to take these over uh, to the school. One is we don't want to inundate, inundate them with so many coats. This isn't like a coat drive for all of Elgin. This is our church is going to clean out its closets. And I believe this is what God has called our church to do. So I want you to go through your closets, find your, your gently used items, stuff that kids would still like to wear, Stuff that an, uh, an adult would still like to wear and could use. And if you've got extra, like right now, I know, uh, I've got two jackets, super similar. They're kind of the lightweight pullover. One's A&M, one's got a zip up with a hood. I wear them both if I'm going to go play golf and it might be a little rainy. I don't need two, right? What about you? What about you? Just clean out your coats, okay? So let's start there. So that's number one. Two, if you're not right, just challenge you to repent. 
So, Pastor, what does that mean? In any area, if there is any area that you are not right in, I'm going to call you to repent. Any area. Any area. You've got to pray about that. Lord, what's that look like? Okay? Any area that you're not right, you need to repent. Any area that is about you, 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 any area that's self, that you're like, I, I, I. If you catch yourself in any area of your life using the word I a whole lot, that might be an area it's time to repent in, okay? So, so, so we start there, and here's the last one. We'll be done. I want you to be baptized. Now, uh, this sounds really unbaptist. Uh, you're like, no, it doesn't. A Baptist will always be baptized. No, no, no. There are certain Baptists that are like, you, you can only be baptized once, and if you ever got wet again, you're going to disgrace the name of Jesus. And I'm like, here's a Bible. You open it up. Let's prove it. Let's talk. Like, let's talk, right? Because here's what I find out in Baptist life. It seems like we're becoming a whole more and more like the Catholics. Like, we're trying to baptize kids earlier and earlier and earlier, right? Baptize you when you're four. You get to be 14 or 40. You feel lost because sin has snuck into your life and you feel like a failure and you feel stuck and you need to repent. And you need to publicly declare your change because if you never publicly declare it, you still feel like something is missing because baptism shows you mean business and you want the world to know, not just the world, but you need yourself to know you mean business. So here is an open invitation. It may never happen again in the life of the church, but we are going to have baptism waters next Sunday, and it is open to all that are going to call on the name of Jesus and repent of sin in any area of their life. So you are baptized when you were nine. Cool. But you feel like, you know what, sin has crept in, and I need to declare it. I need need a new start. I need a fresh start. Then come on, because the waters will be warm. We'll make sure the heater's working, right, Paul? Okay, so the waters will be warm and they'll be ready. So here's what I want you to do. Just write down instructions because you're going to pray about it this week. If the Lord calls you to it, this is what I'm going to ask you to do. Now this is a nightmare if you know Baptist life, by the way. Because church secretaries, everybody that's baptized has to go in a certain category. And you know what I'm going to tell all of them? I don't care. Here's how many folks we've baptized. You guys figure it out. That's what we pay you all the big bucks for, right? Here we go. Warm water. You need a dark shirt. You need something on the bottom. A pair of shorts, swimsuit, I don't care. But you need a dark shirt. We're not going to have white robes for everybody. Okay? We're just going to baptize folks. Oh, bring a towel because we probably don't have enough of those either. Okay? And, he, and here's, it's only going to be in the 11 o'clock service. I'm going to do it at the 11 o'clock hour. And I'm going to ask you to be here at least 15 minutes early. Okay? At least 15 minutes early. It may be helpful if you're here a little earlier. Now, here's the only little special thing I'm going to tell you. If you've got children that are asking to be baptized, I want to talk to you in advance, okay? Just want to make sure, all right? If, this is, if, if you're an adult, you, you should know. It's between you and the Lord, right? Is, is Jesus Lord? Like, do you need to repent somewhere? You know. Now, if you, want to, if you want to just let me know, hey, pastor, I'm going to be there this week, just shoot me an email, say, hey, I'm coming. I'm going to be one of those that's baptized. And that's cool. The more we know about, easier that is. But literally, if you wake up Sunday morning and you feel like God's landed on your heart and you, you walk out the door and you grab a black shirt, we're good. We're good. We'll make it happen, okay? So we're going to have an open baptism. I know it's not Baptist-like. I know my church secretary will hate me for it. I don't care. I really feel like this is something God's calling us into. Baptism shows we mean business. And I, I believe with all my heart, some of you out there are crying and you need to proclaim that you're changed. 
you're ready to repent of something. Maybe you need to repent of, of, of a past failure. Maybe you need to repent of, of doubt. Maybe you need to repent. I've got somebody I love in my life. I love them. Um, they're a mentor couple for us. And she said, I've started to analyze all the lies I've believed in my life. She said, I've, for the longest time, I thought I wasn't an emotional person. And so I've withheld emotion from people in my life for years. And she said, I began to pray about, Lord, show me the truth. And God showed me when I was a child, I got scorned. I got scorned every time I was overly emotional. So I've withdrawn my love. And I've withdrawn it then from my kids, from my husband, from people in ministry. It's time to repent from all the lies that we've bought into, right? It's time to be new. This will be a symbol of that, okay? So I want to invite you into that. Would you guys pray with me this morning? Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you uh, for your word. Thank you for its truth. God, this morning, uh, we want to begin this process of repentance, um, which, which doesn't sound fun and doesn't sound awesome, but it'll be kind of a week-long journey for us that'll culminate um, with this, this uh, baptism of, of repentance um, here next Sunday. But God, uh, I'm just going to ask right now by the power of your Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, would you identify the areas right now in every life here where somebody feels like there's an area they need to repent? I don't know what it is, but God, you do. So, so, so Holy Spirit, just by your power, give them wisdom right now. Identify it like, like, a, like a pen, like a marker, like, like just, just nail it right there. Here it is. Maybe, maybe it's two or three areas. Here they are. Holy Spirit, by your power, in Jesus' name, would you show us the things we need to repent of? Please, do that now. Do that now. Have your way with us. In Jesus' name. Amen.